0: Sweet Jackie. Ooh, there we go. Now you can hear me? All right. Now we're ready. So last week Jackie came to me and asked, well he didn't really ask, he said, hey you're up next Sunday morning. So of course I wanted to look strong and fearless and said, yeah, sweet, I got it. Um, But really I was scared and nervous inside. Um, Immediately I thought, well what am I going to talk about? And luckily he said, hey, I want you to share about your missions trip to Mexico. And I said, sweet, good, I can do that, that's, that's easy. Um, so today we're going to talk about our, our trip we took uh, during spring break. Took uh, 22 people down to Mexico and uh, it was a great time. Um, but before we get to that, there's some scripture I want to read to you guys that kind of uh, prepared us to go down there. Um, first, I want to start with first Corinthians, first Corinthians, uh, 13, 1 Corinthians um, 13.1. And it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become, become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have my body to be burned, but have not loved, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquities, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understand as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childless things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So before we went down there, had to you know remind the group what we're doing. We're not going for a vacation. We're going to serve. And to, in order to serve... We have to be willing to love these people, love these people that we have never met, love these people who speak a different language, love these people who live in poverty, Uh, poverty that we don't know here in America. Um, And so love was a big thing, a big thing that God laid on my heart. Love, 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 love. And how do we love? How do we know love? Um, It's explained to me, uh, you don't really know love until you have a child. And then you understand love. Um, And so that's how we're supposed to love everyone, right? We're supposed to love each other like that. We're supposed to love strangers like that. And it was hard um, to explain that to the group, you know, love these people. um, Because everybody has their own definition of love. But if we look at love, we look at the cross, we look at Jesus... What he did for us, right? That's also love. And, um, and so the biggest, our main focus when we went down there is just to love on people, right? Let Jesus use us and to love on people. Um, one of the other things I, w- I told him is we got to be the light, right? We live in a very dark world. If you don't um, think we live in a wicked world, then you need to look outside a little bit closer. Okay, there's a lot of bad things that happen in this world, and we are called to be the light. Jesus also says that He's the light. Um, next scripture I have is in here somewhere. Matthew five fourteen through sixteen. <coughs> And it says, We are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what we did while we were down there. Um, It was so refreshing to see these young kids be used by God. They were obedient. They were willing just to allow God to do God's will through them and in them. And their light did shine so brightly in such a dark place. Mexico is mostly Catholic and has some Mormon influence as well. So the Christian church um, isn't very big down there. Um, A lot of persecution, a lot of uh, pushing away by the Catholics. Um, They rule with the iron fist down there. so it is very vital that we go down there and share the word with, uh, with these people. And so um, being a light, um, that's, that's what we wanted to do. So could you hit the lights for me? Um, if you don't understand being a light, um, like I said, we live in a dark world. And in darkness, we are not able to see where we're going, are we? We stumble. We fall. We um, fall. Where there is light, people find their way and everything is clear. Where there is darkness, they stumble and are lost. So when we have a light, we can see, right? When we are the light, people can see around us. But when we live in this dark world, right? You can go ahead and turn the lights back on. We live in this dark world, we stumble and we fall, right? We're not living for the Lord. And it's really simple to be the light. All you have to do is accept Jesus. Jesus is the light. He tells us in John eight twelve um, that I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that can, you know that is so true. Um, just a little bit of faith. Allow Jesus to come into you. And you are the light. Um, it's my goal every day to be the light where I'm at. And I hope you guys will also um, remember that. Be the light where you're at. Be, your, be the light at work. Be the light at your home. Be the you know light wherever you are. And as Christians, that's what we're called to be. And it's really simple. We just got to believe in Jesus. We don't have to do the work. We just got to allow Jesus to do the work through us and in us. So... Um, with that, we'll go ahead and start uh, some of the pictures um, and just uh, share share our experience. Um, so um, I started the trip, started planning the trip as soon as we got back from our last trip to Mexico, which was in August. Um, I really love Mexico. It's uh, I love the people, I love the culture, the food, the beach, the weather, all that stuff is, is awesome, right? They even have a word for an afternoon nap, and it's called a siesta, okay? How, how can you not like that, right? Um, so we, I started planning the trip as soon as we got back from the last one, and uh, I decided I wanted to do it during spring break so we could try to get as many of the youth group kids and young adults to go down with us. And... Uh, the thought was to, um, you know, just take them down for a week and, and share Jesus with as many people as we could. And the planning part really came together very smoothly. Um, we had plans to go to an orphanage, go to the dump, go to a cancer center, go to a village, um, paint some houses. All that came together really easy. Uh, the lodging came together easy. So really the only thing that... Uh, Held any of us up was you know some of the passports and some of those things, but uh, logistically everything uh, came together really well. Um, God's hand was in in it the entire time. You know you could tell that uh, God handpicked this group and he uh, he formed them for a reason. Um, and then on March first, I became really sick. Um, I went to the ER because I was afraid that I had uh, developed pancreatitis again. For those of you who don't know me, uh, about six years ago, my pancreas failed um, and it turned into gel. Uh, it was in the hospital. My blood sugar was uh, at over 1600. Um, that's when they could get it to register. It was so high it wouldn't register on the machines. So my organs started to shut down and um, and I had hoses and tubes and stuff all over the place. And that's when I first really met Pastor Jackie. Um, he came to see me, um, and I was like, "That was the last thing I remember before um, I went under." Um, so he showed up. He prayed for the, prayed for me. Asked my family if we needed anything. And at this time, I didn't really know Jesus personally. I knew there was a God. I believed in God, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, And him showing up just proved to me that um, he was for real, Um, that this Jesus thing wasn't just a lie. You know, you hear so many horror stories about pastors that steal money or run off with secretaries and stuff. And as a non-believer, as a person that didn't go to church, um, those are the things you hear. You don't hear about all the good things that pastors do. So Calvary Chapel being my first church, you know, I just... uh, I just was really impressed and just uh, was amazed at the love that he had for me and my family. And he didn't really know us. So um, that was the last thing I remember. Um, I got flown to Boise. Uh, I wouldn't fit in a helicopter. I had too much equipment on me. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, my mom doesn't think it's funny. But she was there <laughs> the whole time. And she stepped away for like 10 minutes. And then that's when they took me uh, to put me in a plane. At the airport, and so she came back, and she's like, "Where, where'd he go?" You know. Um, so yeah, probably not funny, huh, Mom? <laughs> so I flew up to Boise. I, I went to the VA. I was there for uh, I don't know how long, um, but I was in a medical induced coma, uh, just trying to get my organs to rest, relax, and try to get them working again. And um, again, I wasn't a, I wasn't all in for God at that point. Uh, one day I remember the, the doctors talking. They didn't know what they were going to do with me because I wasn't responding. Things were just continuing to get worse. Organs weren't coming back, um, and I got scared. I got real scared. They said they were going to send me to Seattle, cut me open, and uh, figure out what was going on. And that, uh, that was probably the scariest moment of my life. Uh, and then later on that day, I heard a voice, and it said, Are you ready? And I knew at that moment uh, what the question was. But I didn't know who it was from. You know, it was an audible voice. I'm looking around. I thought it was one of the nurses or doctors asking me if I'm ready to go somewhere, you know. And, and it wasn't. Um, it, it was either an angel or God. I don't know who, who it was, but I knew uh, what they were asking. They were asking me if I was ready to die. And at that moment, I knew I'd go to hell I knew I wasn't saved. I knew um, I wanted a second chance. And, and I pleaded and I said, I, I, just give me a second chance. I know I can do better. And uh, two days later, I walked out of the hospital. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. And so, um, yeah, so I was scared. I thought I had that again, you know, three weeks before we go to Mexico. Um, so I go to the ER It's not my pancreas, um, but instead, my blood sugar is super high. I had uh, some fatty liver going on, and I had an infection in my stomach and my small intestine. So put me back on insulin and a bunch of antibiotics and and just had to fight that for a while. I was so sick, I couldn't even come to work. Um, If you know me at all, uh, I've never missed a day of work. Um, I'm here all the time, every day. And so for me to miss work, it was, it was pretty bad. So I was really tired, uh, super weak, couldn't really do anything. Um, and I do appreciate all the prayers that you guys had for me and all the positive thoughts. Um, but I never wavered, you know, from the Lord. I never wondered what if. I did uh, did ask him to take me home a few times, but uh, I guess he still has things for me to do here. So, uh, so um I didn't have time to be sick at this time, right? I, we had three weeks before I we went to Mexico. I had so many things to do. I still needed to get my CDL so I could drive the new bus. And it just it was frustrating having to sit at home. It was frustrating not having the strength to get out and do the things that I wanted to do. Uh, fortunately, I was able to take the written test part for the CDL the last possible day past that, luckily. Um, and then we went and did the hands-on test and got my license the day before we went to Mexico. But, uh, you know, it all worked out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the group that uh, the Lord assembled was uh, it was pretty amazing. It was mostly made up of youth group kids, uh, youth leaders, and some of the parents um, for a total of 22. Uh, the day finally came that we were supposed to leave and uh, we left at around 7.30 on a Thursday night. It usually takes about 16 hours to get down to Mexico. Uh, the reason we leave at night is just easier to drive. Um, you get through Vegas around 3 a.m. There's not a whole lot of traffic then. And then you get to Mexico uh, in the afternoon. You don't want to arrive at night in Mexico. It's a little scary. So, uh, so that was our plan to leave. Um, and as soon as we leave, we, we hit heavy rains. Um, and we fought heavy rains and wind, uh, all the way through Nevada. Um, and then, uh, our first, uh, we stopped for fuel, our first stop, and somebody forgot to put the gas cap back on, on the bus. And I'm not going to point any fingers, but, uh, yeah, I felt pretty dumb about that, so. So, we're driving through Nevada, it's windy, it's rainy, we're going like 50 miles an hour, I'm frustrated, I want to go 80 to get there, you know, and, and so we get to Ely, and I swear, every time I get to Ely, it's snowing, I don't know what it is about Ely, it's always snowing there, so we get there, and it's snowing, and we're driving like 20 miles an hour, and I'm just looking at my clock, saying, oh, we're never going to get to Mexico, never going to get to Mexico, and, and so we, uh, we drive through the pass, and we're going, and it's still snowing, and it finally clears up and uh, we blow a tire. God is good because it was clear. You know, we didn't have any snow or rain or anything and so uh, we blow the inside duel. Um, yeah, yeah, the good one. <laughs> and so luckily we had some pretty strong young men out there and, and willing hearts to go out there and, and change the tire and we we had a construction worker. They're doing road construction. A guy came up and He uh, miraculously had the tools that we didn't have, Um, so that was nice. We were able to, the spare tire was on there, and it was a good spare tire, but it had rusted on, so we actually had to cut it off, and uh, he had a little grinder for us, so that worked great. Um, So we got the tire off, put it back on, and uh, headed out to uh, Vegas. Yeah, she was. I'm glad she was in good spirits, cause. Uh... <laughs> and then we get through Vegas, and it's a little bit later than I anticipated. It was around five, uh, so the traffic it was okay, but still, um, it's funny how how we uh, you know make our pr- plans priority. Sometimes we forget who's really in charge, you know. And and he had a reason for all this, and you know at the time I didn't see it. You know, it's like, man, come on, Lord, let us just get us to Mexico, you know. It's kind of nerve-wracking taking 22 people to a different country, you know. It's a lot of responsibility, and, and most of them wanted to come back. So, you know, it's, they, they, <laughs> you can't leave them back there, at least they're not the youth kids anyway. they got to all come back. So, um, so we get through Mexico, we stop in California, we grab some breakfast, and, and we get a new spare tire, um, and then we're ready to cross the border, you know, and, and so we get there. And in order to cross the border, you have to buy uh, auto, Mexican auto insurance. And so um, we get up there, and they don't want to give us insurance. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? We've been on the road for 20 hours. Just let us go across. You know, we've done this before, and it's pretty simple. Um, But they didn't want to give us insurance because the name on the side of the bus wasn't the same as the one on the registration. So they're calling their bosses, I'm praying, I'm texting Marie, hey, pray for us so we can get across, I don't know what we're going to do. I was even to the point where we were just going to park the bus there and just walk across the border and just worry about it when we got done. Um, And they got to the point where they said, well, you guys can take the bus, but it'll probably get impounded. And... If you know, we just got that bus. It was a nice one. And all I could hear was Pastor Jackie and Jason and Jacqueline just yelling at me in my head about losing the bus already on our first trip. (laughs) So luckily, the prayers came through, and their bosses finally said, Yeah, here's the insurance, go. And uh, so we get to the border, and then we have to uh, unload everything. Uh, we got to take every piece of everything off the bus. Okay, remember, we got 20 people on this bus. So um, we unload the bus. Everybody gets off. They go through, and I have to stay on the bus, um, take it through this big x-ray machine, and, and I'm just afraid they're going to impound this thing. And uh, luckily, they let us through, and... Uh, we get across the border, and we load up, and we head to the hotel. You know, it's like, hey, finally, you know. And So we get to the hotel, and it's got this low overpass. Oh, there's laughing already. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, we can make that. That's no problem. But I didn't account for the two-foot speed bumps that they have in Mexico. So the first one we made... Great. And then the second one, I hear this crash, crunch, boom. I'm like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I hear Karen in the back say, "Just go." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so, we get through this and everybody is just like, "What did you just do?" And mind you, this has been over 24 hours of the worst journey ever. And I don't even care at this point. It's like, okay, we made it. Get your bags. Get in the hotel room. Just, just leave me alone for a minute. And so luckily we had a great interpreter. Izzy went with us. And uh, she was able to talk to the people. Uh, she's super sweet, so they didn't want to hang me or anything like that. They didn't want to throw me in jail. But... Uh, so it only ended up costing 50 bucks to fix, but the worst part is yet to come. So everybody unloads their bags, and and I'm like, oh man, I gotta go through this thing again. So we do a 800 point turnaround to get turned around, and then um, I go and I get stuck. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! So I back up, and they're like, go faster. I'm like, I'm like, we just got this bus. I'm going to tear the top off of this thing. And so I go faster, stuck again. Now I'm worried about tearing the top and the back off. And the whole hotel is going to fall down, you know. And it's just at the end of my rope. And finally, we just backed up, gassed it, went through, tore a bunch of stuff apart, and uh, made it to our parking spot. And uh, and so there's daylight in the bus now. If you sit in the back, you can, you, we got a new skylight in there. But uh, but luckily, like I said, it only cost fifty bucks to fix the hotel. I haven't got the bill for the for the bus yet, so we'll we'll find out about that. Um, but yeah, we finally get there. All that nonsense was behind us, and uh, you know it was like there was somebody trying to hold us back from going to Mexico. You know, it was like the enemy didn't want us to go. And that just made me more excited. You know, God had a purpose for us to go down there. God had a reason for this particular team to go down to Mexico and do some amazing things. And so we finally get unpacked and off the road, and we go to the church that, uh, you know, that kind of sponsored us while we're down there. You know, Um, the pastor, his name's Ryan Goss. He's from, well, he used to be down in Hagerman. And then uh, he went down to Mexico, and and now he has a church. And it's called uh, Las Playas, and it's uh, right outside of Tijuana. I mean, it's basically part of Tijuana. It's just kind of like a suburb. It's just closer to the beach. And so uh, we have a a good friend down there. So we went to his church that night, and that was their youth night. So our youth and their youth kind of got together. We played a few games. Um, We taught them two games. They taught us one game. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. You know, we did some worship. Uh, we also did a message. And we ate Little Caesar's Pizza in Mexico. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty uh, entertaining. It was a fun-filled day. Everybody's tired, so we head back, and uh, we get to the hotel. Um, and in my room, we had f- five guys um, one guy slept on the floor. Is Gage here today? No. Gage slept on the floor. I don't know why. And then um, AJ slept on top of the dresser <laughs> the, the whole trip. So it's like a, almost like... So there's Gage. He's, that's what he looked like every night. I don't know what his deal was. I tried to get him an air mattress, um, but he was comfortable. So... Um, And then poor AJ was on top of the dresser like this every night, (laughs) and he didn't fall off once, so I don't know, he's pretty uh, agile, I guess. But uh, first night, we get there, um, and we go to sleep, and the next morning is uh, Saturday morning, Um, and the first thing we had scheduled was the dump, um, the Tijuana dump, and it's literally... The dump where all the trash from Tijuana goes. Um, The reason we go out there is because there's people that live there. Um, People that make their living digging through that trash. Um, And so it's a great outreach opportunity. We go out there, we share Jesus with them, we share food with them, um, and most of all we share love with them. Um, A lot of these people are on drugs, um, have been deported And have no hope. Um, Keep in mind, in Mexico, you don't flush your toilet paper. Uh, The sewers can't handle it. So not only are they digging through trash, but they're digging through human waste at the same time, trying to scrap together enough to make a living. Um, It's pretty sad. Um, You can't, whatever you imagine, it's worse. Um, It's hard to explain the reality that uh, is the Tijuana dump. But uh, So that morning we get up, we prepare a bunch of sacks that we give out. We have rice and beans and soup and uh, vegetables that we hand out. Uh, Those are the bags that we prepared. And then we also made a bunch of sandwiches, um, some iced tea, some chips, um, some fruit. And what we do is we just go out there and we set up tables and they come out and they just go through the line. And we shake their hands. We love on them. And we pass out food. Uh, We share Jesus with them. And there's some people that are too caught up working that they won't come over and get the food. So we grabbed bags and we went out and we gave out, you know, sandwiches and water to the people that didn't come to the table. But uh, as you can see, our spirits were high. um, And it's just a great, great learning opportunity. It really makes the people appreciate their lives back home, especially the kids, you know. Um, The worst day, or the best day in the dump is a lot worse than a bad day here in America. You know, it's not hard for us to find food or, you know, they don't have the social systems that we have here in America. So when somebody's deported back to Mexico, they just get dropped off in Tijuana. And there are no social systems, there are there's no programs to help these people, they're just all on their own. Some of them don't even speak the language, you know, some of them were raised in America and thought they were citizens and then one day they get in trouble and find out, no they're not, and they're just dropped off back in Mexico. A lot of them turn to drugs. Um, I think 40% end up uh, getting back with their families in Mexico. Um, and then there's 30% that end up committing suicide or dying from overdoses just because there's, they have no choice. It's actually harder to work in Mexico than it is in the United States. You have to have all your documentation in order to get a card to work in Mexico. So if you get deported, you usually don't have all your documentation with you, right? Right. Um, and it takes a long time in Mexico to get those documents in order to work, so and it's very expensive. You have to hire an attorney, and uh, you know mexico's government doesn't work like ours. yeah, ours is pretty messed up, but it's nowhere near as messed up as Mexico's, you know so um, these people you know they're stuck, so this is where they go. They go to the dump so they can make a living. Um, and if you look, there's trash everywhere, you know. You can't tell the people's houses from the piles of trash because they live in literally cardboard boxes with a tarp roof. You know, that's that's their home. Um their hands are black from digging through the stuff all the time. Um but yet God still loves those people, so we got to love them too. You know, and it was very it's very humbling to go out there. It's very also very rewarding to see, you know, the youth kids go out there and and share Jesus with these people, you know, put a smile on their face, um, tell them words of encouragement, it's uh, it, it is a very proud moment, especially as a youth pastor, that's probably the you know, proudest moment I can have, is to see the kids um, willing to share Jesus with, with those people, so, um, so we go to the main dump first, hand out a bunch of stuff, love on these people, Um, And then the next place we go, it's called the shredder or thrash something. It's um, where they shred washing machines and stuff, and then they just spit it out in this area. And people dig through, if you look on the ground there, uh, they dig through that looking for copper wire. So all they're doing all day long is just digging, looking for copper wire. And uh, again, we just passed out some food and some drinks and just uh, shared Jesus with those people. what I found pretty sad was a lot of people wouldn't take the drinks because it hurts their stomach. Um, they don't even drink water because a lot of them have stomach issues. Um, that's probably the only fresh water they get is when is when people go out there and give them to, give it to them. So um, it was luckily it wasn't really hot, but uh, it was just sad, you know, to say that. Some of the people there can't even drink fresh water because it hurts their stomach. So um, after we went to this area, we went down the road a little bit further to a place called Tent City. And it's a little village with, uh, I don't know how many people live there. But again, it's not on the dump, but it's down the street for the dump. And again, it's cardboard boxes, styrofoam, sometimes wood. As their walls, and then a tarp roof, and that 's where families live. Um, they end up working at the dump, and then they come and they live live in the tent city. Um, again, a lot of the people are on drugs or they 've been deported, and uh, you know to us, that looks like rock bottom, but you know they a lot of those people don 't want to leave; they like that lifestyle um, their addictions you know keep them there. Um, there, the guy that took us there, his name's Caesar. He offers to take people out of that situation every time he goes. Uh, most of the people don't take him up on it. They don't want to change. Um, it's really sad. We had one, uh, situation that stuck out to me, um, the most that day. And it's funny cause you know, we're just a bunch of white people from Southern Idaho down in Mexico. And it's just one, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Uh, I think she's probably the youngest one that went with us. And she, uh, she was asked to pray for this gentleman. And Abby um, was scared at first. You know, She's the youngest one, and she's never done anything like this before. And, and so it was her turn to pray, and she hesitated a little bit. And, and it was very interesting, because the guy she was praying for, he wanted it. He knew something powerful was about to happen. So he's like, come on, bring it. Come on you know, pray, let's go, you know. And she's kind of standing there like, uh, what do I say? But it's like a switch turned on and she just let God speak for her. And she doesn't remember what she said to this man, but every word she said just went straight to his heart. And this guy started breaking down. And by the time she was done praying for him, he was in tears, you know. And all the words that she said to him, you know, were so powerful that he just broke down and started crying. And it was kind of funny afterwards, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm a tough guy, I never cry. You know, but this little blonde haired girl from Idaho, you know, made this grown man cry. And it was just, uh, just so powerful to see God use her in that situation. And there were so many other instances like that, that happened. It just, I just happened to be right there to see it happen. And it, it, uh, it was just truly amazing. And, you know, that's what we talk about when we talk about being the light. You know, she didn't do anything um, hard, right? She just opened up herself to be used by God, and that's what happened. And when you do that, you affect so many people. You know, that guy will never forget those words. He'll never forget that day that a little white girl drove a 1,000 miles just to go pray for him, you know, and... uh it was just truly amazing. And, and that's why I love the dump is because, you know, we're doing stuff for people who can never repay us back, you know. And, and just they're just so loving towards those people. It's just truly amazing. Um, and so the dump days are pretty special. Um, it gets really emotional because it is such a, a bad little place to be at. But uh, God's still there, right, and God used us while we were there. And, uh, just an amazing time. Um, so that night we got back, um, I think that's the first night we went to this amazing taco place. (laughs) Yeah, that's it right there. Um, so we got to have a little fun, right? We got to have a little fun, especially after a day like that. Um, tacos were like a dollar each. They were so good, um. They grill the steak right in front of you. They got this big pit thing of uh, seasoned pork. They just slice off, throw it in your taco, throw some guacamole on it, and you just shove it in your face. It's so good. Um, I know one guy ate seven tacos and one burrito the first night. Um, Most of us ate probably five to six tacos. and what's one of the cool things I love about Mexico is we fed 22 people all they could eat for 144 dollars, and it was pretty neat. So, um, but yeah, as we uh, so we went there almost every night. We met some really uh, amazing people. I was sitting uh, away from the group, and uh, this pastor sat next to me. And you know, someone just said, "Hey, say hi to this guy." So I said hi, and. Um, he introduced himself and he said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor. He's like, what, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, we're on a missions trip. He's like, oh, cool. And then he showed me himself on Facebook and on YouTube. And he's this world-renowned pastor just sitting next to me. So it was pretty cool just how God works and, and how, uh, how things happen. Um, so the next morning was Sunday morning. And we got up, and we were asked to help out at the church, at the Calvary Chapel. So we went down there, and we cleaned up the place. We set it up. We got it ready for service. Um, most of the kids and the young adults, they taught Sunday school. So, you know, they really enjoyed us being there. And, and uh, some of them even taught in Spanish. Um, so it was pretty, pretty amazing to, uh, to see that um, and just play with the kids. We had one young lady, um, they needed one person for worship, so uh, I chose uh, Taylor. She's a very shy young lady, uh, very talented, but she doesn't like to perform in front of people. So that's her right there. She doesn't look too shy right there, does she? That's, that's all Mexican candy. So she was, she was in heaven that moment. Um, so I chose her to go to to sing and do worship, and not only did she sing in English, but she also sang in Spanish, and she did a, just an amazing job, and again, God was using her to, you know, share the love of Jesus, and uh, normally she would never, ever do those things. She would never get on stage. She would never even think about singing in Spanish, but... Uh, you know, the Lord used her. Um, that Sunday morning, they had more people there than they ever had before. So a lot of us had to stay outside. And so I just did a message for our group. And the rest of the people, you know, helped inside and uh, did Sunday school and played with the kids. And and we really enjoyed it. Um, I know AJ, he's still in love with one of those little girls there. He She's on his heart. And uh, it was just... It's just cool, you know. There's Joe getting beat at cars. I don't know how you get beat in cars, but he's losing somehow. Um, but, yeah, it's just a great time to be able to go to a different culture. and And you don't have to speak the same language, but the language of love translates anyway, you know. And they could tell that we were there to love on them and to, you know, just share Jesus with them, you know. And that's basically what we did that day. Uh, we didn't have any plans to do anything else but just stay at the church and, and hang out with their people and and just love on them. And so uh, that afternoon we were scheduled to go to the cancer center in Tijuana. Uh, in Tijuana. In Mexico, cancer treatment only lasts three weeks. So you're either healed in three weeks or you're not healed in three weeks. You get, you're done and then the next group of people come in. And so... Um, there weren't, they weren't really letting anybody in at that time, so we kind of skipped that and, and just kind of enjoyed our evening that evening. We went down to the beach. Um, I love this picture because if you look in the background, there's like a mariachi guy back there. Um, he looks a little out of place, but that's what the beaches in Mexico are like. You know, people come up and play a little music for you and, and uh, just help you enjoy your day. But we did have uh, we did have a little fun while we were there. It wasn't all work, you know. Um, we did play around a little bit, threw the football around on the beach, and uh, yeah, hung out. As you can see, it was a little bit cold. But being from Idaho, if you got a chance to be on the beach, you're on the beach. And if you look closely in the background there, there's a gentleman putting sunscreen on <laughs> for the thirty-fifth time that day. He loves him some sunscreen. Um, but yeah, like I said, the group was just amazing. You know, we all got along. Um, if we had a problem, we were able to talk about it. If we were, needed something, everybody was there. It just—it's uh, just so cool to hang out with a group of people that God had chosen to go do um, certain things. And so uh, we get to Monday morning, and we were going to go work uh, first, we were going to go to the orphanage, but that didn't pan out. Um, so we are going to go work at a ministry house that uh, Calvary Chapel down there had. They have this great property. And so uh, we loaded up on the bus. We're heading out to this property to help them um, do some landscaping, fix up the house, and uh, just uh, do whatever that needed to be done. You know, And everybody had a great attitude, and they were ready to work. Well, on the way there, we, uh, Pastor Ryan gets a phone call. And the people that are living at the house, they just found out that their daughter had died the night before from alcohol poisoning. So um, she was 23 years old. And so we thought it was not a good idea to go and bother them, right? They needed their time to grieve. Um, And so instead of going there, we went to the local market um, in Tijuana. And... It was, pretty it was pretty interesting. It's like a mile long and like five blocks wide. And they just take up uh, this place, this area every Monday and do a local market, uh, selling all kinds of stuff. It's where the locals shop. You know, they have Walmart and Costco in Tijuana, which is pretty cool. But if you want to get good deals, you go down to the market. Um, and so we went down to the market, and we just evangelized to people. You know, of course we stuck out. We're, you know... A bunch of white people walking around in Mexico. Um, but we were able to share Jesus with a bunch of people. You know, every little stand we went to, we talked about Jesus. And then pretty soon, you know, people knew, okay, what are you guys here for? Oh, we're missionaries. We're here to talk about Jesus. And one of the crazy things I found is our, in our group, every person we talked to spoke English. So it made it so much easier to share Jesus with them. Um, We met a guy from Twin Falls. Um, That's pretty crazy. Um, We met a guy from Rigby and then another guy from Idaho. I don't remember the town. I've never heard of it. But we ran into the three people that uh, were from Idaho that had gotten deported down there. So it was pretty neat. Um, And just, just to see what God had, you know, we went from going to an orphanage, which was my plan, to God's plan, which was to share Jesus with all those people in the market. So, um, again, you know, God's plans are higher than our plans. Um, And so that was Monday morning. We spent most of the day there, went back, and then uh, I think we just hung out that evening. Um, And Tuesday came around. Tuesday we went to a village and uh, we fed them. So in the morning, we went to the market. um, We did a little shopping around. uh, And then we got vegetables and just prepared uh, to give out a bunch of food. So this is a village we went to. Um, As you can see, there's no building codes in Mexico. You just build wherever, on top of whatever, however. Um, And who knows how many people live in that little area? But once we started passing out food, people came out of the woodwork. Um, We gave out enough food for those people to last two weeks, maybe up to a month. Um, Gave out a lot of fruits and vegetables and uh, even gave the kids some candy. Um, These are the people that were in line. Um, And, of course, we're sharing Jesus the whole time. We're loving on these people. And uh, it's just really, really amazing. To uh, just be able to give these people food for a month, you know. Um. Long line, a lot of people. And that's really mostly just the women um, and some of the children. So if you double that, that's, that's how many people live in that one small area. Um, so yeah, it was very, very humbling, very rewarding. We did give out Idaho potatoes, in case you are wondering. See? <laughs> so it was kind of neat. People ask, where are you guys from? You say Idaho. they like, what what's Idaho? Where's Idaho? And you say potatoes. And they're like, oh, I know Idaho now. Um, but yeah, I just passed out a lot of fruit and vegetables. And just uh, loved on them and, and had a great time. Uh, then that night, we, uh, well, that afternoon, we went back to uh, Spectrum Industry, who puts this stuff on, and uh, we got ready to go paint a couple houses. Uh, we'll go out to pretty much the middle of nowhere. And for $2,000, you can build a house in Mexico. It doesn't have plumbing or electric, but. It's a lot better than a cardboard box and a tarp. You know, it's got four walls, a couple windows, a door, and a solid roof. So um, that uh, we went out and painted a couple of those. Hopefully, um, next month, we'll take a group down to build a house uh, of our own for one of the people that uh, we met down there. So it was pretty cool. Everybody just uh, hopped on the bus and was ready to go do more work. You know, and just shine the light of Jesus. Um, Very, very good group. Uh, So Tuesday came and went. And Wednesday um, was our personal day. Um, We needed to relax a little bit. It takes a lot out of you doing missionary work every day for, you know, five days. So we went to the beach. We went down the the road to Rosarito and uh, went to the beach. It was our spring break, and guess what? It was a lot of other people's spring break, too. Um, and most of them weren't missionaries, so that made it a little bit interesting um, at the beach. But we went down there. We had a great time. I don't know what it is about the Castleford girls, but apparently cold water doesn't bother them because they were <laughs> way out there um, in it all day long. So, um, But we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it was just a little reward for those people for working so hard the days prior. Um, so it was a good time. And then Thursday we were going to, we went back out to the missionary house, uh, to meet with the family that had just lost their daughter. We gave them care packages and, and a bunch of food and just laundry soap, just stuff to help them get, you know, try to get through a, a very difficult time. Um, and then we headed back and, um, Coming back was a lot easier than it was going down, but uh, it was a really amazing trip. Um, the youth and the youth leaders here are, are awesome. Um, I always tell people I have the best youth group in the world, and until you get to meet them, you won't understand it, but uh, we really do have a great youth group here, and if, you, if you're worried about the future of the church, we're in good hands. Um, we've got a great group of kids, and uh, they're ready to do anything. I'd take them anywhere. I'd take them again. At least most of them I'd take. Um, But no, we had a wonderful time. Hopefully we'll do it again this summer. Um, If you're interested in going to Mexico and and doing something like this, get your passport um, and we'll take you. So um, that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and... We're going to do a little something different um, today. So um, you can all tell on me to Jackie on Monday. But uh, we're going to close in prayer, but instead of me standing up here and praying, we're going to get in little groups, about four or five people, just get in a group. We're going to pray for each other. Um, If we truly love one another, we'll pray for each other. So um, go ahead and get in small groups. If you don't have anybody to get with, just find a group, okay? Um, I know everybody's like, man, I don't want to pray. I don't want to do this. Why do I got to get out of my comfort zone? It's good to get out of your comfort zone once in a while. Okay? So go ahead and stand up. Get in a group. You don't have to go anywhere. You just turn around maybe. Um, Meet somebody new. Awesome.
1: There is love that came for us Humble to a sinner's cross You broke my shame and sinfulness You rose again
2: victory.
1: stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written. Christ is risen. Jesus, you all upon the cross. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you alone. your Name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name. this morning lord and just this uh reminder lord to be a light god we just pray that as we go from here lord that you would continue to to shine your light through us lord and that your spirit would continue to work in and through us lord and just change us god we love you and give this to you and pray for safe travels on the way home god love you and give you all the praise and glory in jesus name amen